engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Good evening. Hello there. Eric Erickson here, News 95.5, AM 750, WSB. The phone number, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Thanks to the newsroom, to Chris Chandler and everybody, I got stuck in traffic on the way home from a doctor's appointment and uh, tried desperately to get here in time to no avail. In any event, uh, thank you everyone for helping out while I got here. The governor, we, we will get into national politics and DACA here in a minute. Uh, Governor Deal, though, we need to start here because the state legislature is meeting. Um, the, the Constitution of the state of Georgia requires that the legislature convene on the second Monday of January each year. And since New Year's Day was January 1st, they began meeting January 8th. And they always have a big to-do the week that the legislature meets uh, with the Chamber of Commerce, where uh, they get all the politicians together to talk about what's coming, their their Chamber of Commerce-friendly agenda, and how they're going to use taxpayer dollars to try to lure in businesses or uh, tax incentives and waivers. And as opposed to just saying, as some states have done, Texas, that, hmm, we're just going to have a really business-friendly environment. No, 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 no. What we tend to do and what some other states do is we say, you know, I, I, I think instead of having just a super business-friendly environment, we're going to leave everything in place and then we'll carve out exceptions for the companies we really want to come to the state. And what often happens in these situations is we see that lobbyists get involved and they essentially, the highest bidder can rig the process to their advantage. And I'm afraid that's what we're going to see happening here on Amazon, among other things, is this situation where um, we have the, the heavy hitters in the state, the Chamber of Commerce, major businesses, and, and the legislators saying, let's pay no attention to existing Georgia businesses. Let's play, pay no attention to the people who have been here for a while. Let's pay attention to the new people. And we've got uh, Governor Deal at a Chamber of Commerce breakfast saying that he is prepared to call the state legislature back into special session if Georgia is in the top three picks for Amazon's North American headquarters. It may be months before Amazon makes a decision or even narrows their choices. And we have many important issues to consider in the interim in this legislative session. He said, that's a quote uh, from Greg Bluestein of what the governor said at the eggs and issues breakfast for the Chamber of Commerce. But he says Georgia will offer the biggest incentive package in state history to lure Amazon to Georgia. You know, Illinois... Their incentive package for Illinois, essentially the state is paying Amazon to come to their state. And the reality here is that um, Georgia intends to do the same as well. Your taxpayer dollars are going to go to bring Amazon here. And what the Georgia um, politicians say is that though they may essentially be spending your tax dollars to bring a business here, bribing the business, if you will, to come, although perfectly legal, uh, that the jobs they will create and the, the income that will be generated will offset any of the loss of the companies, will offset the loss of tax revenue, will offset the loss that the government would otherwise have. I don't necessarily think that's true. And it's really more difficult than they would have you believe to actually run the cost-benefit analysis on these things to see. Because a lot of times they make assumptions. 
One of the things we do know is that they will have to spend massive amounts of money on infrastructure upgrades if they were able to get Amazon here. Not only that, there would be a massive sea change in the culture in Georgia. My overarching number one concern with bringing Amazon to Atlanta, other than the massive infrastructure headache it will cause all of us, is they won't just be creating jobs in the state. That's kind of a lie the politicians are telling people to convince everyone this is a good thing. They'll be bringing a lot of people from out of state. And most of the people they'll be bringing from out of state are overwhelmingly liberal. And so you will see this massive sea change in Amazon's direction. And what are they giving up in exchange? They're also giving up all consideration of religious liberty. They're giving up the idea that Christians should be able to participate in adoptions in the state of Georgia. Yes, to get Amazon here, this is one of the things that they're not telling you in pursuit of their golden calf. One of the things that Republicans in the state have decided behind the scenes is that they will begin prohibiting Christians from participating in adoptions in the state. If you are a Christian adoption agency, if you support Christian adoption agencies, the state wants to reassure Amazon that your Christian or Muslim or, or faith-based Jewish adoption agency will be shut out of the adoption process in Georgia. Our Republicans are already selling out our values in pursuit of the almighty dollar. That's a real big problem. It is 27 after the hour. Now, several people have uh, tweeted me and asked, well, what am I talking about? Adoption and Amazon. How are they related? Okay, um, let me go back to a couple of stories from the AJC. This one's from October of last year. Chris Riley, who is the governor's chief of staff, had a discussion, a uh, roundtable discussion, and he said that he's concerned. This is the governor's chief of staff. He's concerned the rhetoric in the gubernatorial campaign could undercut the business-friendly image of the state. Now, everybody knew what he was talking about at this meeting, and the AJC lays this out for you. All four leading Republican candidates in the race have pledged to sign religious liberty legislation. Each says social conservative legislation and ambitious bids for new jobs are not mutually exclusive. But wait, 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 there's the other thing. Here's the other issue that came up. One such adaption regarding religious liberty that emerged at the end of last year's session would have allowed private adoption agencies to refuse to place children with same-sex couples. Its failure sparked GOP in inviting and doing the legislation. That's actually the case right now. Um, the governor and others, according to the AJC, have urged caution, saying they don't want to dissuade businesses from coming to the state by mounting an all-out effort for religious freedom, including the adoption legislation. By allowing Christians an exception, they could preclude Amazon. There's more here. You need to pay attention to this issue. I'll explain it when we come back. after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. Let me give you more details here about what's going on 
With our legislature in Georgia, Amazon, adoptions, religious liberty, and the like, um, State Senator Marty Harbin, who is awesome, says he's going to bring back up RIFRA. The governor in the past said he would sign it, uh, but major corporations have said they don't want him to sign it. Uh, and essentially, we have a problem in the state of Georgia with Republican leaders. Our Republican leaders are chasing the almighty daughter, a dollar. They go to church on Sunday and they love them some Jesus and babies, but they really love the dollar. And when Hollywood says that we're going to stop taking Georgia taxpayer dollars if you do these things, they say, well, we, we want you to take our taxpayer dollars. We don't want our taxpayers to have religious liberty protection. And all religious liberty protection does, all it does, it doesn't even apply to the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. All it does is it says that every part of the First Amendment has to be treated with strict scrutiny by the courts. Because currently, under Georgia, under federal law, the first section of the First Amendment, which is the religious liberty provision, can be treated with lesser scrutiny than the free speech section of the First Amendment or the right to assembly. You've got to have a, a clear and compelling reason for trampling on someone's free speech rights. You, you have a, just a, a rational reason for trampling on someone's religious liberty rights, even though they're in the same amendment. So all this does is it tells the courts you got to treat them all with strict scrutiny, meaning you've got to have a, a real, definable, serious, major reason to curtail someone's religious rights if you're the government. Now, that's not an issue here because the governor's going to veto it despite his promises in the past to sign it. Uh, once Hollywood Studios said that we want you to support Hollywood's values, not Georgia values, the governor went with Hollywood. So did the major leaders in the state legislature. So now the next issue is adoption, and this one is coming up in the state legislature this year. Adoption laws in the state of Georgia have not been reformed in about three decades, and no one disputes that they need to be reformed. The question at hand is whether or not Religious adoption agencies, Catholic adoption agencies, Protestant adoption agencies, Muslim adoption agencies, and the like, should they be allowed to place children that are in state care? And the position of Hollywood liberals and Republican leaders in Georgia is no. And they have said now three times in the past four months that they are afraid if Christian adoption agencies, and they're really, they, look, they, they, they're not even paying attention to Muslim or Orthodox Jewish adoption agencies. They're only paying attention to uh, Orthodox Christian adoption agencies, Catholic agencies in particular, and then uh, some of the Baptist and uh, Presbyterian adoption agencies in the, in the state that will only adopt to married, heterosexually married couples. They won't even adopt to single parents. They will only adopt to two-parent nuclear heterosexual households. And the Republican leaders in the state have said, if we allow this exception and allow them to do this, we might prevent Amazon from coming to Georgia. And so we need to update our adoption laws, but we need to prohibit faith-based adoption agencies from placing kids in care or else we may lose this business. Now, why is this important? Well, there are two ways to look at this issue, and let me give you the, the, the way that the Hollywood crowd and, and the major corporate crowd looks at it. This is discrimination against gays. 
to say that an adoption agency, a Christian adoption agency, can say we only adopt to people who are married and heterosexual is discrimination. And discrimination is wrong. And so we're not going to do it. We're not going to allow the state to allow them. Now, what is the Christian argument here? The Christian argument is because the First Amendment says we are allowed free exercise of our religion, exercise doesn't mean worship, exercise means to live our daily lives, that the government should not disadvantage us over anyone else. We should not have to give up the way we exercise our religion in our daily basis. Is this technically discrimination? Yes, but everyone discriminates. There are gay activists in the state of Georgia who will not go eat at Chick-fil-A because they don't like Chick-fil-A's uh, support of marriage. There are all, all There's discrimination on a daily basis. There are people who won't vote for a Republican in the state because they don't like their Republican views. That's discrimination against Republicans. They won't vote for anyone with an R. Everybody discriminates in one way or, or fashion. We only think that discrimination is bad when it offends us. Here's the situation, though. What is the priority with adoption in the state? Is priority with adoption in the state the gay rights agenda or helping kids find loving families? Because if you give an exception and allow faith-based adoption agencies to place kids in state care and loving homes, you are not saying we're not going to adopt to gays. What you are saying is we're going to allow all of these adoption agencies that will allow gay adoption to participate, and we're going to allow all these others who don't to participate. Essentially, we're not going to force the Christians to give up the free exercise of their religion, which they have a constitutional right to, in order to participate in allowing kids in loving homes. Now, you may say, well, well that, that's allowing discrimination. No, 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 no. Under the First Amendment, you are allowed to freely exercise your religion. And just as there are churches that won't allow women in the pulpit, there are churches that do not believe that marriage between two people of the same sex is uh, godly, is right, is real marriage. I am one of those people who does not believe it is real marriage. You may be offended with me for saying that, but I, I am a Christian. The Bible says marriage is between a man and a woman. I don't think I should have to give up my beliefs if I wanted to adopt a child. I don't think my Christian adoption agency that I support should have to give up its beliefs to say we will help the state place these children. They are helping the state. They are providing a service that helps the state. Now, the issue is, do you prioritize placing children in loving homes or do you prioritize gay rights? If you prioritize gay rights, you're going to say, well, we got to discriminate against the Christians. Or do you support placing kids in loving homes? In which case you say, let's let everybody who can, who's licensed, participate. That's my position. But Amazon and other businesses are saying, no, you have to prevent Christian adoption agencies from helping place kids in loving homes if you want our business. And I think that's wrong. Now, I want to put all of this in perspective for you. Texas is a state that has more technology companies than Georgia. Texas is a state that if it were its own country, if it seceded from the nation and were its own nation, Texas would be one of the top 10 economic powerhouses on earth as a standalone nation. Georgia would not be. Texas considered the same adoption issue. And Texas 
decided, with the governor's urging in Texas, that it would not discriminate against Christians in public adoptions. Texas decided that all adoption agencies that were licensed in the state could participate and help place children in adoption agencies. And yes, there are some adoption agencies that a gay couple could not go to because they wouldn't be able to adopt. But there's no reason to punish those adoption agencies because this isn't about the advancement of the gay agenda. This is about placing children in loving homes. And there is no doubt that these faith-based adoption agencies do a good job of placing kids in loving, stable homes. So why should we prioritize the gay rights agenda over adoption agenda? And Texas did this. But the leaders in Georgia lack the testicular fortitude of the leaders in Texas. The leaders in Texas were confronted with open calls by Apple, Dell, IBM, Amazon, Google, Facebook, and the like to abandon this ridiculous idea. Texas was told they would be discriminating against gays and they should instead discriminate against Christians or else. And Texas gave them the middle finger and said, no, Texas will support placing kids in loving homes regardless of your political agenda. And if that means we allow Christians to participate in the adoption process so that we have as many good companies as possible, as many good adoption agencies as possible helping, we're going to do it. And they did it. It is law in Texas that faith-based adoption agencies can participate in adoptions of the state, wards, of wards of the state, without abandoning their views on marriage. But Amazon might come to Georgia. And so our state leaders are whoring themselves out to the leftists who believe that you must discriminate against Christians. That we should prioritize the gay rights agenda over the agenda of placing children in loving homes. That they have made a conscious decision, our state Republican leaders, that they will discriminate against Christians. They actually will discriminate against Christians. The state will. It's one thing for a private agency, I think, to say that, you know what, we are a faith-based organization and you have to adhere to our faith. If you want to use us, for the adoption of a child. It is a private business. It is allowed to do that. It is an entirely different matter for the state to do it. For the state to say, you know what? No Christians allowed. And I want you to know, and there's no reason for us to dance around it because your Republican leaders in the state, your Republican leaders in the state will dance around the issue. They will try to nuance the issue, but that is what it boils down to. Your Republican leaders in the state legislature meeting this very day in Atlanta, believe that in order to attract Amazon to the state of Georgia, they have to say no Christians allowed under the adoption laws in Georgia. So you as a Christian parent would be allowed to adopt a child, but your Christian adoption agency that you support, that your church supports, would not be allowed to help the state place children. Yes, my friends, you need to understand this that the legislature wants to update the adoption laws in Georgia, and no one disputes they need to be updated, 
But in updating them, they want to affirmatively discriminate against Christians and say no Christian adoption agencies will be allowed to help us unless they abandon their views on biblical marriage. That is what this has come to as they chase the dollar over God. It is 56 after the hour. The full number is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Uh, let's go to the, well, no, we can't go to the phones because I have less than a minute and that would be unfair. So, sorry, we will take phone calls when we come back. 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. When we come back, yes, we will get into Oprah for president. And, I, and I'm sorry I wasn't here yesterday to talk about it and the game. I was at a super secret meeting of the vast right-wing conspiracy and got home very late last night. Uh, when we come back as well, the president yesterday, he had a meeting at the White House with Democrats and Republicans to discuss what to do with the DREAMers, the so-called DACA program, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And I have to say, I am convinced watching that spectacle yesterday, Washington has a problem with comprehensivism we should discuss. It's nine after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is WSB, the phone number 404-872-0750-1800, WSB Talk. We got to move on to Oprah and Trump. And even before we get there, we got to get into the deferred action for childhood arrivals. But before I do that, uh, Cameron's been waiting patiently about the adoption issue. And since I want to move on from the topic altogether, I I don't want to leave him hanging. Cameron, welcome. Good to talk to you again, Eric. Listen, I'll make it quick. So what is, what is to prevent a religious organization from using uh, a particular scripture or edict to say that you can't give a, a black child to a white couple or to prioritize only one specific religious uh, or, you know, group or child over another so that I wouldn't say if a, a baby is born in a Christian family, I wouldn't adopt to uh, a Muslim family? Thanks so much for the for the time. Sure, absolutely. Um, it, you know, there actually are some adoption agencies out there that prioritize adopting within their faith. Um, there are Islamic uh, charities that do that, uh, and there are some Christians that do that. Uh, and I personally don't have a problem with them doing that because I don't have to use them. Um, but the big issue here that Cameron's getting to is the slippery slope. Uh, why can't an adoption agency justify and say no blacks allowed? Uh, and th- the big issue here is uh, the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment. Um, we, we have a long history in this country of well-settled precedent on the issue of race. Now, I will tell you I am very libertarian on this issue. Uh, if I had my druthers, uh, I would say that private businesses in this country could serve or not serve whoever they wanted, regardless of race, gender, um, sexual orientation, ethnicity, you name it. And you and I don't have to shop there. I would not shop at any business that knowingly discriminated against someone because of the color of their skin. But I think such businesses should be allowed to exist. Now, I realize we're not supposed to take positions like that in this country anymore. It's either all bad or all good. Uh, you, you can't have any sort of nuanced position. I think that a business owner has the right 
to serve who he doesn't want to serve, to serve who he wants to serve and to not serve who he does not want to serve. I think that is perfectly fine. And I don't have to shop there and you don't have to shop there. And we can go on social media and tell people not to shop there because the person discriminates. I have fair game. And I am totally fine with that. I am totally fine with uh, gay rights activists letting people know that there are bakeries in this country that will not bake cakes for same-sex weddings. But I think such bakeries should be allowed to exist. The issue in this case with the slippery slope on adoption agencies is that we have well-settled case law in this country and a civil war that says blacks and whites must be treated equally. We do not have well-settled case law, nor do we have a civil war that says uh, gay and straight are identical. In fact, you cannot find in this country people who have been systematically discriminated against because of who they sleep with. In fact, you have to have a bumper sticker on the back of your car in most cases for people to know you're gay or straight. You don't if you're black. That is a huge fundamental difference and under a well-settled Supreme Court precedent. It is, but there is no well-settled Supreme Court precedent, nor is there a long history in this country of systematic discrimination against gays. Uh, What there is, though, a well-settled history of uh, globally is people wanting to force Christians to abandon their values in order to participate in polite civic society, going all the way back to the Roman Empire. I think there's a fundamental difference that we have to appreciate and acknowledge here. Now, having said all that, we got to move on. We got to move on to DACA. We got to move on to the Dreamers and this this itch of comprehensivism within Washington. All right, folks. I listen. Some of you disagree with me on this, and that is fine. But I think the Dreamers, the so-called Dreamers, those are the children. Let, let's let's play with the definition. Give you the definition here, not play with it, but give it to you. The people when people talk about Dreamers or they talk about DACA, DACA stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Those kids are called the dreamers. Those are people who, as children, were brought into this country by their parents. Their parents are illegal aliens, and they are illegal aliens. Many of these people are, many of these children, they're now in their 20s or so, and they don't know any other home. They don't have a memory, in many cases, of their originating country. They've been in the United States. Now, there are some fringy immigration activist groups out there that have a bunch of made-up statistics saying that, oh, these people, all of them or or 90% of them were teenagers, so of course they remember. There's all the good research out there by nonpartisan groups who do not really have a vested dog in this fight. They're just trying to get the data. The, the ages wildly vary. Some of the kids who came over were teenagers with their parents. Some of them were toddlers. There are some of them who were newborns. It varies wildly. But they've all been in this country for a very long time. It is their home. And the question is what to do with them. Do we deport them all and break up families? Does the party of families, the Republican Party, break up these families? How do we deal with chain migration, chain immigration? How do we deal with the border? All these things. Here's my problem. There is a bipartisan consensus in Washington, D.C. that there should be a bump stock ban after Las Vegas. Even the National Rifle Association is not opposed to a bump stock ban by Congress. The problem is that Congress can't help itself. 
instead of trying to find the one ring to rule them all like they do on Middle Earth, they're trying to find the one piece of legislation to rule them all. Congress doesn't want to pass anything unless it is fully thorough and comprehensive. So they don't want to deal with the dreamer issue without dealing with the wall issue, without dealing with the, the parental issue, the, the parents, the, the, the illegal immigrants who smuggled their kids into the country. They don't want to deal with one without dealing with them all. But I got to tell you, it's just like the Democrats. They conflated access to health care with access to health care insurance, and they passed the, the comprehensive health care plan that I think screwed up health care in the same way Republicans wanted to conflate all these issues and do comprehensive immigration reform, and it doesn't help anybody. I think Congress needs to get out of the habit of doing comprehensive legislation. They should pass a law. It doesn't even need to be 10 pages long that says children of illegal aliens who were brought here by their parents can stay. Period. End of sentence. They are resident aliens. They don't have citizenship. But remove from the table the threat of deportation that they haven't committed a crime. You don't need more than 10 pages to do that. Then secure the border so more people can't come over. Secure the border. And then I guarantee you the conversation is going to change because many of the people who are stridently opposed to doing anything other than mass deportation of illegal aliens in this country have a harboring valid suspicion, and it is very, very valid, that if you pass this law, you're going to see a wave of, of document forgeries as people come into the country claiming they've been here for 20 years and they want in on the gig as well. So secure the freaking border so it can't happen. And then you can deal with the parents. Now, let me just so lay it all on the table for you so you know how I stand on the issue. I believe we should build a wall. We should build a physical, real barrier of entry into this country along the southern border. We don't need it on the Canadian border because Canadians aren't interested in sneaking into this country. They like their socialism. The southern border needs one because we have a ton of people who are coming into this country, including a lot of bad people. And a physical barrier helps, whether you believe it or not. It does. Try getting into the WSB complex. We have a big fence around it. Keeps people out. So build a wall. What to do with the, the dreamers? If they join the military or get a college degree, give them citizenship. If they don't, let them stay as permanent resident aliens. What about their parents? Well, either let their parents be permanent resident aliens or let their parents go home and get in line there to become citizens. And I suspect many of them would be fine being permanent resident aliens. Many of them never wanted to be citizenships in the, citizens in the first place. They just wanted a better life. They didn't tie it to the country. So do that. And take the issue off the table. We have been talking about this issue since 2005. There is no reason for this to be an ongoing thing. And the only way Congress ever wants to deal with it is with the most complex solution that causes all sorts of problems and in the process empowers lobbyists with money and congressional staffers to make all the decisions. If you get rid of the idea of comprehensivism, if you do legislation at the simple basic level and do multiple pieces of legislation instead of one comprehensive piece of legislation, you also undercut the lobbyists and return power to the people because they can actually read the legislation and understand it. That seems to be a no-brainer to me.
It's 26 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. Let's go to the phones. Let's go. Roger in Cartersville, you're up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I had a, I was just curious, if we give up, um, not to use folks for leverage, but in, in politics we kind of do, the, the whole DACA issue, the Republicans are awful about using any kind of leverage, even when they have it. Is this is this something that we can give up? Because I know the Democrats really want it, but they want a whole lot more. That's that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, um, that they want, and and they'll use leverage any way they have to. And the Republicans are awful at that. Can, can we afford to give anything up? As well, far as the leverage. So here here's my thinking on this, and I could be wrong, but just in my conversations with people in Washington. Uh, the Republicans want to give up, give it all away. The Republicans don't want to just give uh, the Dreamers the right to stay. They want to go on and give them all citizenship as well, which I fundamentally oppose. Yes, um, and, and I think if you go halfway and say, look, you can stay as resident aliens, but you got to get a college degree or you got to join the military and, and serve and be discharged honorably before you get your citizenship, uh, I, I think is probably the way to go. But there are so many bad Republicans. Who want to say, I mean, look at the people around the president. The, the, there are so many of them who want him to sell out and do comprehensive immigration reform. Yeah. And I just really think we got to do a piecemeal approach because everything you do changes the variables on the next thing. And in fact, I, I, I do also think you've got to set some sort of timeline and say we're only talking about kids who came here like a decade ago and not any Absolutely. sooner yeah. so that we don't have a mass flood across the border. Yes, I, and, I, and I, I agree with what you're saying. I'm just uh, the, the, the Republicans are just they seem to fumble the ball. Yeah, all you know, the- Roger, I, let me tell you, here's my theory on why Republicans are bad at negotiating, because they go sit down at the table and they start the negotiations at the position of what they think is the minimum they'll ever get. And so they never get more yeah. than that. They have no confidence at all. Nope, they're terrible negotiators. You're absolutely right. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. A lot of people want to chime in on this issue. We also got to get into what the judge in California did today on DACA, which this guy should be impeached. It's 38 after the hour. The phone number, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let's go back to the phones. Um, next up, Bob in Buford. Welcome. Hello, Eric. Thank you for taking my call, sir. Sure. Yeah, my question was, I think you used the term earlier, a permanent resident alien. And yes. my question was, what did you mean by that? And specifically... Is that someone who has the right to work like a green card person does? Yes. The reason for my question is, if you enforce the laws about uh, people, uh, whether they have the right to work or not, then a lot of uh, folks will probably walk home just like they did uh, when they walked into the country. They'll just walk home. Well, uh, you know, some of them will, yes. Uh, some people would go home. Uh, not all of them, though, and, and particularly among the dreamers, they don't really have a home to go to in their mind because they don't know anywhere else. Now, the definitions, though, permanent resident alien, I apologize, it is a legal term. Uh, if you are a green card holder, you are a resident alien. You can become a permanent resident alien, meaning that you are, for all intents and purposes, an American citizen except 
that you are not able to vote. A, a resident alien in this country has to have a job. Uh, and when you lose your job, you lose your ability to be a resident alien. If you become a permanent resident alien, you are treated like an American citizen, except you don't have the right to vote, and there are certain other preclusions of rights in this country. And if you break a, fe- if you commit a felony, you can be deported. You can't deport an American citizen because this is their country of origin. Uh, you can deport a permanent resident alien if they commit a felony. Uh, So that's the terminology there. But if you give someone permanent resident alien status, they don't have to go through a visa renewal process every couple of years. Uh, They don't they don't have to worry about being deported without cause, Uh, which if you're just an illegal alien in this country, you do have to worry about being deported at any time. There was a raid on 7-Elevens in um, the Washington State and Portland, Oregon area uh, this morning uh, where they rounded up some illegal aliens and deported them. So the laws the president is showing are being enforced. What do we do, though, with the the kids who were brought over here who don't have a place to call home in, in their foreign country? Uh, and I, I think the solution should be just go on and take, off, take deportation off the table if they haven't committed a crime, and then let's deal with should we give them citizenship or not? What should we do to give them citizenship? Jason in Lawrenceville, you're up next tonight. Welcome. Thank you. Mr. Erickson, for taking my call. Sure. Um, what I wanted to discuss with you was you had said two, two parameters for getting U.S. citizenship, one of them being military service, mm-hmm. which I would completely agree with you about. My sister is a colonel, uh, 28 years, my brother, and she was in Iraq, my brother-in-law in Afghanistan. Both of their children are in, one of them's in the Air Force, the other one's in the Army. So I have... I completely agree with you. Anybody that defends this country and protects our rights, absolutely give them citizenship. Uh, the issue I have is a college degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I have three college degrees. My wife has two college degrees. I have a number of friends that are professors. Some of them quit being professors, went into other fields because it's all just a money-making racket <laughs> well I mean, it, 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 I, i'm that's i'm glad truth. you're cynical on this one because uh, i am too oh, no, but it's the truth but well and, hang on though hang, I, hang I on a second argue. though jason hang, hang on uh because it, it, i agree with you by and large that college degrees can be a money-making racket but we can't ignore the fact uh that the unemployment rate among people with college degrees in this country is at two percent and it's at six percent among people who don't uh people who have college degrees in this country make fifteen dollars or i'm sorry a thousand five hundred dollars a week on average and people who don't have college degrees only make six hundred dollars a week on average and among hispanics by the way it's even a, a greater discrepancy so for example among hispanic voters there's a two percent unemployment rate among those who have a college degree but there is a six percent unemployment rate among those who don't have a college degree uh 82 percent of hispanic residents in this country with a college degree are employed only 65% of Hispanic residents in this country without a college degree are employed. So I, I think college having a college degree is a signifier, if nothing else, that you tend to be more engaged in and likely to keep a job in this country. May I say one thing? Sure, yes. Okay. Uh, and, and I acknowledge all of your statistics, and trust me, I am hardcore statistics. So then let's make the parameter whether you're employed, not whether you have a college degree. Um because for the citizenship or for the uh, permanent resident alien, 
You know, it, um, I, I think a that's... number myself included, mm-hmm. and what made my best friend from. I honestly, I don't remember learning to walk, and I don't remember meeting this kid. He was my best friend for life. Mm-hmm. He makes millions from his car washes, not from his food science degree hey listen and i got a law degree and i'm a talk show host i gotta let you go there jason by the way i i am sympathetic to jason's uh, point of you gotta have a job to have citizenship the problem is what happens if you lose your job uh we're giving you citizenship and then you lose your job uh do you suddenly now get your citizenship revoked that that gets to permanent resident alien status the reason i would say college degree instead of job is because otherwise every time there's an economic downturn we're going to have to have this fight again and I think it's time to be done with the fight. The question is, what do we do with Dreamers? Some of you would say, just deport them all. And I disagree with you, but it's a valid public policy decision. I don't think there's support for that in Congress. And the question is, what can build support in Congress? And I think instead of constantly having this fight, let's do the first thing. And that is take DACA off the t- Let's take deportation for DACA off the table. If you came over here as a kid, your parents were legal aliens, and you've been in this country at least since Barack Obama enacted the DACA um, executive order, then let's take this off the table and say, we're not going to deport you. Now, are you going to be citizens? I don't know. Let's have that discussion. In the meantime, should you be treated as a citizen for state benefits? We got 50 states. Why can't we let the 50 states decide? And if there's a state like Georgia that says, no, we're not going to give you um, it, treatment as a citizenship, as a citizen to compete for hope and whatnot. Okay, move. Go to a state that will. Go to California. Go somewhere else that will. But let's at least, instead of having this fight where we can never get anything done, where everyone in Washington wants to do a comprehensive solution that only benefits lobbyists, let's just take off the table deportation for those who haven't committed a felony and be done with it. And we can have the conversation then on do we keep them permanent resident aliens or do we allow them a pathway to citizenship? I like the Langford Tillis plan that says you can do a pathway to citizenship, but you do have to go get a college degree or you got to be in the military and then you got to wait 10 years uh, to become a citizen to see if you actually are a productive member of society during that time as you become an adult. I think that's a fair thing as well. I'm willing to compromise. But I think we might as well go on. A, there is enough of a will in Congress right now to do DACA. Do it and stop trying to draft a 2000 page bill when you only need 10 pages to do that. It's Eric Erickson here. Let's go back to the phones as we finish out the show tonight. Michael in Lawrenceville, you're up next. Welcome. Greetings, Eric. Uh, my question is, do we have a good precise definition of who these DACA people are. Uh, we, we have a, I wouldn't say it's precise, but we have a good one. And that is that when Barack Obama did his DACA program to begin with, he required that everybody register. And uh, I think that's the starting point is you lock it off there, the people who register to participate in it. If they didn't register uh, when he started it, then they're not eligible for this. And that's actually where Congress is right now uh, as their starting point for who is DACA. Now, uh, are there some people who probably committed document forgeries in there and whatnot? Yeah, there probably are. Let's not be naive here. Um, The question is, uh, is it the majority? No. Is it a minority? Yes. Is it a large minority? Probably not. Is it a small minority? Probably so. 
The question is, do you shut out everyone else because of a potential small, very small minority of forged documents? Um, I would say no, you just go through and verify the documents and deport the people who got forged documents. I think that's possible. Uh, what I think is a bad idea is what a federal judge in San Francisco did today. DACA is an executive order. It is an executive program, and under well-settled constitutional precedent, going back to John Adams, uh, the incoming president can cancel the executive orders of the prior president. They just can. And a federal judge today in San Francisco said, no, you can't. And every time this judge has ruled, he's been overruled by the Supreme Court, which is going to happen here. This is another example of federal activist liberal judges uh, trying to stop this president, and they need to be impeached.